This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Well, this morning we're going to jump into the Word, and we're going to take a look at a new series that we're starting today that's very appropriate for what we're talking about, about relationship and what relationship really means. The title of our series that we're starting today is a a series called Happy Together. Kind of almost seems like a fantasy or a dream, doesn't it? How could we possibly live happy together? And this, this series is really about relationships. Every relationship that you have. This isn't just in particular a relationship series about marriage or parenting, although it would include that. It deals with friends and family and everyone in between, including those you don't like, those that you don't love. And one of the things that we all recognize when it comes to our own life is that we all want relationships, but relationships are a challenge. And every person in this room wishes that they could live happy together, but in reality, I think if we were to be honest with ourselves, we'd all be facing some challenges and some struggles with people in our lives. And I believe this to be the case, is that nothing in life affects you more than your relationships. I'm going to go as far as to say this, that the quality of your life will be determined by the health of your relationships. And oftentimes we don't connect those things together. But you'll find that the quality of life that you experience right now is directly associated to the quality of relationships that are in your life, vertically with God as well as horizontally with everybody. And relationships, I mean, they can be fun and they can be exciting. They can be inspirational. You might have some relationships in your life where you're just going, I really, really like that relationship. But if we're honest with ourselves, we're also going to have relationships in our life that are a little bit complex. And the reality is, is because relationships are complex, because you're complex. It's a great place to nudge your neighbor and say, hey, you are a complex person. Come on. We're all complex people. We're all complex people. And as we think about this series, I think it's important for us just to stop. Again, this has been a wonderful morning, great worship, great birthday celebration. But can I ask ask you just to stop for a second and to pause and to think about you for a second. I want you to ask yourself a couple honest questions. How are my relationships right now? Are they good? Are they healthy? Are there some relationships this morning that you're struggling with? Some that you wish were different. Whose fault is it? Is it your fault, their fault? Have you found the answers or the solutions to how you might be able to fix those relationships? What's the quality of your life really look like? How much are relationships having an effect on your life right now? the way you think about your prayer life, about when you go to bed or wake up. What are you thinking about when it comes to the people around you? You happy together? Hopefully in this series, we're gonna be able to wrestle with some 
relational issues that are going to help us to live happy together. We all have a few things in common, and that is, is that we have relationships, that we were created for relationships. We have conflicts with our relationships, and we all desire to live happy together. And one of the writers in the Bible, the New Testament, his name was Paul, he, he put together this one particular thought in the book of Romans that I really look at um, this morning is kind of a, a benchmark or cornerstone scripture for this series. And I want to read it to you, Romans 15, verses 5 and 6. And I want to look at the message paraphrase. And this is what Paul says about relationships. And it kind of, it kind of frames in everything that we're talking about during this series. He says, may our dependably steady and, listen, warmly personal God. God's a God of relationships. God is a God that created relationships that wants a relationship with you. He's a warmly personal God. It says, may he develop maturity in you, meaning that in your relationship with him, he helps you to do life better so that you can get along with each other. It's interesting that this scripture is showing us that your ability to relate to others has everything to do with how you relate to him. He says, as much as you have this relationship vertically, so it will help you to get along with each other. And then he draws a benchmark, a line, and he says, as well as Jesus gets along with us all. Wow. Think about that for a moment. He's saying that your relationships, hopefully God can help you to have relationships in your life where you treat others the same way that Jesus treats you. That's a stretch. That's a challenge. He finally goes on to say, then we'll be acquired. Not our voices only, meaning speech only, but our very lives singing in harmony in a stunning anthem to the God and Father of our Master, Jesus Christ. Paul's saying, God's will, his desire for you is to live happy together. And if you get one thing out of this series, get this one thought. You, individually, you were created to live happy together. And I want to go back to where it began. I want to go to the first verse in the Bible. Go clear back to Genesis 1-1, and we begin to see this idea of relationships at the very core of Christianity. The very first verse begins to describe the intent that God had for relationships. And in Genesis 1-1, he says, in the beginning was God. And we have to recognize that in that particular verse, when it says, in the beginning was God, that that word God is a Hebrew word, Elohim, which speaks of plurality, but it's single in meaning. And the grammatical text there kind of has this idea that there is a plurality, even though it's single in nature. And when you think about God himself, he is one God, but he has 
three different entities, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what the scripture is implying to us is that God, even before the beginning of time, existed in a harmonious, unified relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That in the very nature of God, we see this idea of covenant, this idea of communing, this idea of unified relationship. And as the story unfolds, not only is God created that way, he then came and he created you. Genesis, excuse me, Genesis 1.26, he says, let us create them in our image. And God himself, if he is in his very nature, relationship, love, covenant, and he says that he's going to create or that he created us in his image, the very nature of God when it comes to covenant relationship was actually created in you. You were born into this world. Someone took care of you. You couldn't take care of yourself. Your parents or whoever raised you begin to take care of you and relationships started from the very moment you breathed. You were created for relationship. Not only were we created for relationship, but ultimately we were created for that relationship with God. And as God created us and put us into the garden or put man into the garden, it was his intent or his desire that, that you would, or that we would, or humanity would have this ongoing harmonious relationship with God. That it would be the main focus of your life. The primary reason why we were created was to give glory to God, to have relationship with him. His intent was that we would live that way. And we see that it was just not that we had this relationship with God, but that we also had a relationship with each other. And he decided to create a helper for Adam. We see that in Genesis 2. And we see that the very divine nature of God, even when it comes to us on planet earth, is that we would have relationship with each other. And we see in this whole unfolding of God's plan was that there would be a vertical relationship with God and everything that we needed, we would get from him and we would glorify him vertically, if you will. You'll see this on the screen, but also it would take place horizontally. And everything that you receive from God is a byproduct of this relationship that you then transfer to other people. And as you look at Genesis, you begin to see this was God's ultimate plan. He said, if you could just live this way, you'll live happy together. Unfortunately, mankind screwed up. From the very beginning, we see Adam and Eve in the garden, and we see that God's plan was that they lived together and there wouldn't be a challenge. But as it unfolds, we see that Satan had an alternate plan. And here it is. Check this out. He wanted to deceive humanity to believe that you didn't need the vertical relationship. That somehow, someway, you could just figure it out on your own. I mean, after all, you're smart people and you get busy and I know God's a real commitment, but he's trying to let them know, listen, if you just eat of this fruit right here, I know God told you not to, but if you eat of it, listen, you're not gonna die. In fact, you're gonna experience knowledge and good and evil and you'll actually be like God. Isn't that awesome? And unfortunately, they believe the lie. Now check this out. As soon as they made the decision to say, 
I'm not going to depend on a vertical relationship with God. The relational world as we know it was severed. The very first thing that we see, because they decided to try to do life without him, is they hid from God. The scripture tells us in, in, in uh, Genesis 3.10 that they actually ran. And God says, where are you? He says, we're hiding. I was afraid. There was a relational breach that took place. And you see it from the very moment they decided to do it their own way, there was a breach. So much so that he goes, well, why did you do this? And Adam goes, ah, she did it. <laughs> I mean, he starts blaming his wife. All of a sudden there's this division. You know, she did it. Their kids would be raised up and Cain and Abel would kill each other. And we have been living in unharmonious times ever since. And unfortunately, we live in a time where literally billions of people actually think that they can do life without God. And we look around at the dysfunction of families. We look at the challenges in marriage, Marriage, you know, kind of like the old guy who actually made this statement once. He said, you know, marriage is like a deck of cards. You start out with two hearts and one diamond, and before you know it, you're looking for a club and a spade. I mean, just look at our nation right now. Look at the racial tensions. Look at the political division. Think about your workplace, your neighborhood, how unharmonious our world is today. Maybe even your own personal relationships. Could it possibly be that we've bought into the lie that somehow Everything's going to work out because we're just smart enough to figure it out on our own. Only to find out what you have is doing life miserably together, not happy together. And so Jesus comes along on the scene. And he shows us in just a few verses some key thoughts that you and I should really, really think about this morning. And in Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31, we see Jesus having a conversation with a religious lawyer, a teacher of the law. And they're having this debate, and finally this religious teacher says to Jesus, hey, out of all of the commandments, by the way, there were 600 plus commandments. He sat out of all of these commandments, which to you is most important? Jesus quickly replies by giving him two, but it's interesting, he puts them together for the first time, implying that they were one. He says, I can answer that for you. And what he says is this, he says, you must love the Lord your God, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second, listen to this, is equally important. You must love your neighbor as yourself. 
And there's these, these four words I want to pull out of this verse and look at them because I believe they're the, the ingredients, the, the special sauce, if you will, to living happy together. It's the word love, God, neighbor, and self. And I want to look at those four this morning. And my prayer is that every person hearing my voice, every campus, every person online, come to a place where they assess these four areas right here. The first thing that Jesus points out to us is this thought, is that you must love. He wants us to understand that the actual center of it all is love. The reason why God even created you was love. And when I think about this whole idea of love, when he said, you must love, he, he brings out a Greek word that would um, be the highest form of love. In our English language, we would have one word, love. In the Greek, there's six different types of love. And he pulls the highest form. And he uses a word in its verb, in its verb form. He uses the word agapeo. And really, this is what this word means. When he says, you must love, this is exactly what it means. The unwavering, unconditional, unlimited, never-ending love of God for man and of man for God. It is a love that transcends and serves all, regardless of circumstance. Keep in mind, it's a, it's a verb, meaning it's an action. This isn't a thought. This isn't an idea. This isn't just a belief. The word that he's using as the highest form of love is saying it's something that you live. This unwavering, unabandoned, I mean totally abandoned, totally committed love for God and God for us that we're to live that out. It's important to recognize that when you think of this idea of love is that the love that came from God to you wasn't just a feeling or a principle or emotion. It was his actual nature. That when God loved you, when God so loved the world that he gave his son, when we look at the gospel in itself, we find out God so loved you, he gave himself. He gave his very nature. What you receive from him is not just an emotion. The world has tried to tell us that love is an emotion or it's just a feeling. That might be a byproduct, but it's the very nature of God for you. He gives of himself to you. As it says in, in uh, 1 John 4, 7, it says, love comes from God and is God. And so we have to start by just realizing is that the God desires to give in the purest form this unlimited love himself, everything that he has to you. And as we receive that love, he actually expects, again, this is in the form of a command, for us to do something with what we've received. And he takes it one step further. He says, okay, you must love your God. 
And four times he uses the word all. All your heart. Everything within you, the core of your being. All of your soul, your mind, your will, your obedience, your emotions. All of your mind and then your strength. It's real important as Jesus is unfolding this, this this word strength in the Greek, it actually means this, whole. Everything that you got. This is what Jesus is saying, and you've got to follow me here because this is the key. I believe that the health of your relationship with God determines the quality of relationship with others. You can't give what you have not yet first received. And this was the problem with Adam and Eve. Oh, we can do it our own way. And they wondered why their life was so messed up. Jesus is coming back and going, no, I'm sorry, you gotta do this different. Listen, it's, it's right here. You start, all of your relationships in life are directly upon how much you give him. And he uses the word here, this Greek word to remember, everything that you got, everything, all. And I just want you to just think about this for a second. I want you to think about your relationship with God. Just think about this for a second. How much God is in your life? Is he really, really, really your all? We, now, I understand, we all get real busy and, you know, we got complicated lives and kids and sports and programs and bills and careers and IRAs, but when all of that is said and done, when it comes down, forget all that, think about you. How much do you give of yourself to him? How wide of a portal have you opened for him to give you his love? You have to understand that God himself is unlimited in his capacity to give you everything and all that you need. And here is just the, 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 the amazing part about us having a free will. We determine the gateway. He has unlimited love. We determine how much we receive by asking him to be involved in our lives. Some of us, again, we're so busy, it's, it's kind of like this is as big of the pipe is for heaven. You know, we want God and we're just kind of going, okay, God, yeah, awesome, God. Hey, where you at, God? We wonder why our lives are so messed up. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, come on, pour. And just, God's up there going. <laughs> I mean, he's just, he's trying to get stuff through, but you're so busy and you spend so little time with him and you never read your Bible and you're never depending on him and your, your life's just kind of going, man, why is my relationships and life so upside down? He's going, right? Some of us today would have a a relationship maybe like this. And you know, same thing. You're going, okay, God, I'm going to give you a little bit more. And I got kind of my devotions, but it's kind of like, God, I need you. And you're kind of looking up and you're wanting a little bit more of your life. But this isn't what Jesus had in mind. When you think of this word, all that you got This is what Jesus had in mind. This is what he had in mind. He wanted you to give him his all. I mean, to go all in and I mean, just kind of go in, woo! I mean, just everything, all. Say, God, I want everything from you. I just, I give you my all, I'm all in. 
You got my mind, you got my heart, you got my will, you got my emotions, you got my thoughts, you got my money. And we wonder why we're so socially, excuse me, socially and relationally dysfunctional is because we actually think we can do it without him. This is where Jesus begins. He says, love is the center of it all. You can't give what you don't receive. Your abandonment to him determines what you do receive. Give him your all. How do we live happy together? Putting God first. There's some of you here, maybe you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe you read or maybe you've prayed before, but the reality is this is what God's saying. This is the only way for you to have quality relationships in life. It's by first giving him everything. That's what he says. But listen, Jesus takes it a step further. This is the easy part, right? Because God's perfect. He gives you everything. He's always there for you. He'll never leave or forsake you. It's easy to say, God, I give you my all. But then he says this. Let's go horizontal. And he says, now you've got to, and he uses three words, love your neighbor. I mean, think about it. Now listen, it's important when you look at this whole idea of loving others with your all. When you look at these four words, excuse me, these three words, love your neighbor, it's interesting that he actually uses the same way that you're to love God, this agapeo, this verb, unconditionally, unloved, unlo- uh, uh, completely loving, transcending all circumstances despite the person, you're to love them with your all. Jesus uses the same word and he goes, I'm gonna go ahead and put this right here. And when he says love your, this is what he's saying. Put some skin on my commandment. Think of the person right now, we all have that person, whoever that person is that irritates you most, that you don't get along with, that you're having a marital conflict with or a relational challenge or a next door neighbor. He goes, that's the person I'm talking about. Love them unconditionally, kind of like that. And we want to give them this. Okay, I love you, right? He's going, no, that way. That's what Jesus is saying, this way. And then he uses, then he uses the word neighbor. The, the, the Jewish people of that day thought that they were kind of in there because really up to that point, it kind of meant love your fellow Israelites. Jesus is going, time out. No, I'm talking about the Samaritans that you hate and the Gentiles that you hate, all of those people you despise, that's kind of what I'm talking about. You're to love them. Now listen here. He does something in this language that's unlike Deuteronomy 6. In Deuteronomy 6, you see love 
your God and love your neighbor as two separate commandments. Jesus, for the first time, he ties them together. And the Greek language actually ties them together to imply this. You measure how much you love God by the way you love others. Jesus is trying to help us understand that, listen, if you really love God, then love people. Here's what it says in 1 John. It says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, this is John speaking, not me. If anyone says he loves God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Just liar right there, liar. You're a liar. Well, you know, I love God, but I hate that. I don't like that person. God says it doesn't work that way. Right here. Everything. Come on, does anybody find this challenging? I mean, listen, you just, you just kind of put a face on it. It's just kind of like, I'm out, man. I'm going to go try some other kind of religion. I mean, this is just like, wow. This, this is what Jesus is saying. We all have a person in our lives. It's kind of a complex person. For me, I think of a previous neighbor we used to have. Is, I'll just call him Dave. He lived next door to us. And I remember moving into the neighborhood. I see Wayman Steele here, by the way. Wayman, so awesome to see you. He helped me work on this house. And I had a neighbor next door come in at, at 10 at night asking Wayman, what are you doing with electrician and uh, electricity? And why are you putting the wires there? And why is your light on? And we have this one part of the little overhang over the, over the garage where the corner of the roof stuck over three-eighths of an inch close, too close to the property line. And he measured it and turned us in. And so if you go by the house today, they're like cut on a 45 degree angle. Thanks, Dave. I mean, he was like the building police. I'd mow the lawn. He was the mowing police. Build a shed. Shed police, parking police, car police, kid police, noise police. Hi, Dave. And he's just one of those guys where over and over again, I was reminded that I have to love him the way that Jesus loves me. It's not easy. Thank God, God gave me Kyle. Now, my wife and I have two developmentally disabled sons, and Kyle doesn't know any better than just to love people. And I remember just watching him, and Dave wouldn't want to say hi. He'd just stand out there, and Dave would pull up, and Kyle would go, Hi! Hi, Dave! Hi, Dave! Hi! Hi! And Dave wouldn't say anything. Hi! 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 Father, I say hi, Kyle. <laughs> Kind of Dennis the Menace and Mr. Wilson. And I was just going, Jesus, thank you so much for Kyle. He's just like helping me here, you know. Now, I gen- listen, I genuinely wanted to have this, this loving relationship with him, but I remember one time we had this horrific ice storm and cars were sliding down the hill and they actually slid into his garage. Now, he had this beautiful vintage Corvette. And I mean, he, he waxed it like a hundred times a year and drove it like once. And I mean, it was, it was just like his, his baby. And I remember the, these cars actually slid down the driveway into his garage and crushed his Corvette. And I remember Kyle, he's just going, hi Dave, broke, broke Dave, Dave car broke. You know, Dave didn't like that. Dave didn't like the fact that his car was all caved in. Kyle's going, hi, broke, broke, you know. 
Listen, over and over again, God puts people in your path and gives you the wonderful privilege to love them the way he loved you. It's so easy for us to love God unconditionally. Aren't you glad that he forgives you? Aren't you glad for grace? I mean, you just look down, God, God, thank you. I screwed up again. I made a mistake again. And yeah, that's the kind of God I am. He says, if you don't love others that way with everything, you're a liar. Love God horizontally, others. And he finishes by saying this. Love your neighbor as yourself, yourself. We misinterpret what Jesus is saying here because of the culture in which we're birthed into. We've been birthed into a self-love culture. I'm okay, you're okay. Come on, it's, it's all about me. There's this self-love ideology that basically says this. You should love yourself. I love me. It's all about me. And you look at what's happening in society today. I mean, we, we have these different terms that come out. It's just filled with self-esteem. You got to have better self-esteem. You got to have better self-acceptance. You got to accept yourself. Self-identity, self-confidence. All of a sudden, we begin to have this idea that everything that we do, by the way, even including church, I don't know if this fits me or not, as if it's about you in the first place. My relationship problems are because they don't meet my needs. It was never about your needs in the first place. Culture has told you it's about you to the point now we even kind of got from self-identity and self-esteem to selfies. <laughs> right? Jesus was trying to drive home a point here. And here's the biggest challenge. Our greatest challenge is living happy together is in our tendency that we love ourselves. Your greatest relational weakness or relational challenge is not your weakness, but your delusion of strength. Here's what Jesus was trying to help us understand. There is nothing in you outside of him that's worthy of love. Listen, I, I know this is just going to pop your bubble, but listen. You without Jesus are wicked. This is what the Bible says. It says, your heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Romans 3 says that we all fall short of the glory of God. And somehow we begin to think somehow that it's about me and I begin to love myself and all of a sudden it's all about loving me and I've got to feel good about it. There's nothing 
good about you to love. I am a wicked person without Jesus. So are you. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? Thanks, Pastor Mark. I feel good. If we're not careful, we can make ourselves our own God. Because I'm loving me. Self-ish relationships. When we give our life to him, that carnal nature is supposed to die. Galatians 2.20. It's no longer I, me, carnal nature, me. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And so Jesus drives home the point point, says, the part of you that you're supposed to love, love your neighbor as yourself, is the part that I give to you to give to others. That you're no longer looking at self-identity, but God identity. No longer self-acceptance, but God acceptance. No longer self-esteem, but God esteem. And you begin to recognize it's not about you, never was about you. It's about living life, giving God everything, giving others everything, and realizing the only part of you to love is what you first receive, which is Him. And if we can come to that place, you start looking at every relationship different. Because all you want to do is love like Jesus loved. You can't do it on your own, in your own strength. But you can do it like Jesus did it. So if you can go vertically saying, God, I want everything from you. I give you my all. And I'm going to turn around and love others in the same way you loved me. And I'm going to recognize that I don't have anything to do with it. We're kind of at first base to say now we can live start living happy together would you bow your head and close your eyes this morning I want you just to just to pause for a second we're almost done please please just just settle in for a second all the campuses Would you just be painfully honest with yourself? Ask yourself a couple questions. How big is my conduit, my relationship, my portal between me and God? Is he my all or Lord not at all? Are you giving him everything? What about your relationships around you? Which, which part do you need to own? Maybe you haven't caused the conflict, but maybe you can be the solution to the conflict by now being Jesus and giving them what you received. Or maybe yourself. Maybe you're just realizing this morning, you know, maybe I just am too focused on me. And I realized this morning, it's not about me. 